I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB. This is the Close of Business podcast and we're really happy to have you with us today, the 26th of November. It was the ASX Refinitive inaugural charity uh, foundation trading day for charity. So a shout out to NabTrade. Kasha was there, rang the closing bell. Uh, NabTrade donated all of the day's brokerage to charities, including Rural Aid Australia. And we had a chat with Rural Aid earlier. earlier look, um, we're just onlookers in this, but I think it's worthwhile pointing out when um, a day goes well for charity, particularly in the pandemic. And absolutely fantastic calls and well done to everyone who participated in the event. And uh, you're especially enthusiastic today. I, I'm pleased you're, you're full of beans. You said you had a coffee earlier on, so I it's did. showing. Wow, buzzing. No, but I, I don't know. Uh, am I? Am I you're buzzing. You're, you're buzzy, but I reckon the, uh, the market's not as buzzy No, today. no, I was going to say, I'm, I mean, there's cause to not be as buzzy. We've got uh, the big yawn coming through in the US tonight. Um, not if you're... <laughs> the big no, no. yawn. Yeah, well, it's Thanksgiving Day. You know that turkey actually has something in it, that when you eat a bunch of turkey, it makes you want to lie down on the couch and have a little sleep. Go be fat in the couch. Yeah. I, I, I can, uh, I can <laughs> Familiar with that? I can, oh, I'm, I'm an expert at that. <laughs> I also think sometimes it's just an excuse for people to get out of cleaning up after dinner, but, um, but markets will be shut. So I don't think it's any big surprise after the performance on Wall Street, which was lackluster, mm-hmm. considering all the exuberance of the day before, um, you know, to see the local market pull back a bit. Yeah, look, We've had a stellar run. Let's not uh, beat around the bush. Uh, no, the number of people who are trying to go and quote various statistics about the biggest gain for a certain month over this period. Um, I was wondering when this moment would go and happen. And uh, today was a day where we saw a bit of profit takings creep in. Probably not a bad time to go and do it as well. No, we know that the, uh, the market's got a lot of supportive factors at the moment. We know there's a lot of tailwinds that will probably be blowing quite firmly for a while. But uh, it's healthy to see pullbacks because uh, if you see things just ramp, if you go parabolic, uh, it never ends well. So those who are the true believers in the bull market, so I know that lies ahead potentially. No, this is a good sign. Yeah, so uh, good and we will keep an eye on Europe, but uh, yeah, lacking direction when we come in tomorrow morning from the United States. Uh, we saw Dalian Iron Ore Futures hitting record highs today. You must have been following my Twitter feed recently. Now I'm following the market, sir, Scotty. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, I thought I was the iron ore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the iron ore market here in Australia. No, of course not. But uh, yeah, uh, that was uh, surprising to say the least. But uh, uh, red dirt continues to go from strength to strength. I'm amazed at the uh, how strong steel production is in China. Uh, you got to throw into the mix potentially. I don't think it personally is, but no, there's a lot of reports out about you know, coal uh, cargo sitting off the Chinese coast or being resold to other people mm. because uh, you no know, failing environmental standards in China. Uh, like 
bunk them. Like, no, let's be honest. That's, uh, there, was no, there was no problem with coal up until like when the uh, huge amount was being In fact, imported. Australia has clean coal, doesn't it? And um, Renowned for it as well, but yeah. uh, apparently not. So it must have been a bad batch, you know, the first, <laughs> first one ever seen. But uh, I wonder whether potentially some people are starting to go and put two and two together and just thinking, well, maybe, just maybe there's going to be a risk that uh, no, China could go and play that card and actually go and target iron ore imports albeit very briefly. Well, I think too, when you hear that copper imports were down from Australia by 50% in October, when we know the amount of stimulus and infrastructure spend and everything else that's going on that's spurring demand for copper, most analysts that I speak with Mm -hmm. are bullish on copper going forward. Um, So yeah, to see that dramatic drop in October. Now, I haven't you know, read any other external factors that could be responsible for that, but do you think that's why... We saw some of the miners come under pressure today, even though we saw base metal prices rising overnight. We saw iron ore prices rising today. Or is it just, again, the pedal coming off, that sort of rotation? Uh, I think you get a bit of column A and column B, if you ask me yeah. uh, honestly, to go and see what, uh, what's driving it. Uh, and also, I'd say, dead say that uh, I haven't had a look at the volumes today, but I'd probably imagine they were fairly weak compared to normal standards. But it really is interesting. Like I remember reading a note from Macquarie, I think it was uh, earlier this month, and they did some research to see, you know, as things currently stand, what are the uh, the key Australian exports going into China that have been targeted so far? And they look at the interdependency ratio. So how much you know, China relies upon Australian supply and how much Australian supply relies upon Chinese demand. And lo and behold, uh, all the ones that have been targeted, with the exception of coal, uh, are basically being ones that Australia has a very high uh, proportion of, uh, of exports going to China, which makes me go and wonder whether this whole coal thing is not more a story about Chinese government trying to go protect its, uh, its own coal industry. Mm-hmm. We know that they're battling a lot at the moment. We know prices have been depressed. Um, we also know that uh, Australian imports, uh, Australian exports of coal into China, particularly uh, Met Coal, were absolutely booming earlier this year. So, I wonder whether potentially it's being used as like, no, this is a geopolitical no play, but realistically it's another factor that's driving the decision. Interesting. Uh, we spoke with Jared Monshine from the Sydney, the USSC at the Sydney Uni, and I asked him point blank, does China have form in coming out and ever actually explaining its actions? Because we get all this commentary. We had a foreign ministry official overnight talking about those environmental failures of some coal and for the record it wasn't just Australian coal that he said he said from some coal from countries including some from Australia um, because we've got all these unofficial the Chinese government has unofficially said that it is banning coal and unofficially saying that it's banning copper ore um, and he said look no it's just not in the playbook for China to ever come out and say point blank if if they are um, restricting those imports and why. So that will remain a risk, I think, as we head into 2020. When you talk to analysts on the channel and we ask them, you know, what are the risks that are still out there when it comes to uh, even equities and sentiment in particular, and geopolitical is usually one of those. It still is top of the list. Yes, and uh, it's a great example for any of the uh, company chief executives that are out there or anyone who's not going to play in China. Uh, you know, regardless of what happens, control what you can actually control. And to me, it just ex- exemplifies why you want to go and diversify where your uh, your chain is, where you supply into, you know, which regions, which customers, if you can possibly do that, because uh, you want to go and be diversified to go mitigate this very risk. Okay, so we, um, as we saw this pause and this great rotation from growth into more value or cyclical names of the market, we had a great debate today on the channel, growth versus value. 
Obviously, the poster child for that one easily is Afterpay. So the conversation started with Afterpay, but we extended it out to just find out, do investors have to choose? I mean, they're always talking about growth, value, value versus growth, which is better? Can you have a little bit of both? And so if you'd like to listen to that interview, you can access it via the show notes. I'll, I'll also go and add, uh, I wasn't participating, but uh, I know that the uh, the interview was that hot that it sent off a, a fire alarm at one of the other. <laughs> <laughs> you are. That is correct. Yeah. Um, I told Emmanuel that to go save himself, but he stuck around to speak with us on Ausbiz. So hope you got out. There you go. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he's okay. Uh, look, another good interview that we had in terms of growth and where it's headed was with Charlie Aitken. He's from Aitken Investment Management. He talked to us. He was quite candid saying, you know, this year's been extraordinary. Um, he doesn't think that he's had any genius insight uh, to make his fund do, you know, well. It's just, it's just been one of those years. Extraordinary in many ways, but positive with growth stocks going up. He's had a good few holdings sold out of Apple. Um, yeah, if you want to listen to that, we talk about Amazon. We talk about some of the other holdings within the fund that he thinks might take pole position as we move through this reopening thematic uh, around the world, particularly in the United States. That's in the show notes as well. Uh, well, while we're on stocks, you can access an interview we did with uh, Fraser McLeod from Sean Partners down in South Australia. But I think, Scotty, we should get to the stock of the day, which was Jumbo Interactive. J-I-N is the ticker code. Lottery managing business. Some say a tech business. Software as a service. Um, this is what Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life think about Jumbo Interactive, the stock of the day trying to transition its business more to a software as a service uh, business where it provides all of the tech and the platform necessary for other actual lottery owners and lottery and people who run lotteries to empower them to get the most out of their business. So it's doing that transition and this for them is a big step forward in being able to push their software as a service um, offering over in the UK. In the future, this software as a service business is what it's going to be more and more about. And that is quite exciting. It makes Jumbo one definitely to watch. I'm not a buyer at this level. I, I want to get it a little bit cheaper. Uh, they are building a, a built business well beyond Tapcorp. So you have to take a positive view that they will be successful at that. Yeah. Um, at the current price, I wouldn't jump on. I think it's probably fairly priced. Yeah. Um, and it I mean, even though they obviously have a lot of potential, we still have to see how that exactly is going to pan out. And that was Rudy Philippek van Dyke finishing the thoughts there on Jumbo Interactive. So uh, no no jackpot and uh, uh-huh. no jackpot for the fun there. No, ring, ring, ring. Okay, so tomorrow we already mentioned that it might be a little quiet around the traps, at least to start, because we've got the US markets closed. Tonight we get meeting minutes from the ECB, EU private loans. Look, I don't think anything really to move the dial. Interesting to know if we get anything out on the Brexit front, which has been a bit absent from the conversation today. Oh, look, we could get something, but uh, I'm still backing the, uh, the last minute deal. They're, they're going to walk out. It's going to be December 31st. Everyone's going to be like, you know, trying to go and like, you know, get their last minute supplies for New Year's Eve. And all the policymakers from Britain and, uh, and the EU will walk out and say, like, we've done it. And there'll be a big collective sigh of relief. That's, Congratulations. That's, 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 how the, that's how the Europeans have done it, Tony. In every uh, no, moment that I've seen in my time in financial markets, so I don't suspect that this is going to be any different. So why change? Okay, so we will be speaking 
In honor of Black Friday with Veronica Katz. She is the CRO at Sezzle. So she will take us through Sezzle's Black Friday Cyber Monday data. So we're going to dive into the data to find out what we can potentially expect. A lot is hanging on these Black Friday sales. I mean, it's a whole reason for its name, going from the red last chance to get from the uh, the red into the black. But uh, this this year... Yeah, with all the stimulus pumping around, but all of the rising jobless claims in the U.S. as well, a lot riding on it. We'll be speaking with Barry Irwin. He's the exec chair of Bega Cheese. So it just announced today that massive buy of Kieran Holdings uh, Lion Dairy. So he will take us through the deal, where the synergies lie, what is the strategy going forward, which is oh so important. And Molis Australia's joint CEO Chris Wykey joins us. We'll also be speaking with... Well, it's a Friday, so we've got Adam Dawes from Sean Partners and Julia Lee from Berman Invest in for the call. Uh, we will have a special guest, and we can't tell you who at 2.30, who will be the winner of the CBA Ventures Accelerator Program. Live on air, that announcement Ooh, will come tomorrow. Can't tell you. No. We can't show you his or her face on TV. Embargo, as they say, and uh, it will all be capped off with the wrap of the week on this uh, exciting end of the month. For and the last call. Looking we'll forward to that. Will be the last day of the month. I, don't even, I can't remember. Well, it's out not the head. last day of the month, but I think it's the last trading day, pretty much of the month. I'm just saying it's nearing the end of the month, so it's getting more exciting. We'll have to go and cool off because it's been a hot month when it comes to our market return. So we'll have a couple of shandies to go. No, no, just no, watch the steam come out of everyone's ears. Tim Baker's coming from Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Uh, we've got a whole host of great guests for the last call that kicks off at 4 p.m. Uh, but we will see you all hopefully. Or you'll see us at 8.30 when we're live. Uh, Have a good night, Scotty. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it too. And we'll see you all bright and early tomorrow. Yeah.